weekly travel program, Jet Sitting with Janet, is proudly sponsored by MLT Car Hire and Tours. Are you looking for a highly professional, established vehicle rental service? Look no further. MLT Car Hire and Tours delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to mltcarhireandtours.co.za for their full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook. Are you looking for a highly professional established vehicle rental service and shuttle service where client satisfaction is a priority? Look no further. MLT Car Hire is committed to delivering quality low mileage vehicles to suit your budget. MLT Car Hire also specializes in mini and long leases for individuals and corporates as well as staff transport and airport transfers with offices at the airport and in the Helderberg area. We are proud members of Satsa, Fedhaza and Cape Town Tourism. MLT Car Hire delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to MLT Car Hire and Tours for our full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook. As we know, Ribeck Castile is one of the oldest towns in South Africa. It's a mere 80 kilometer drive northeast of Cape Town and uh, sits in a beautiful valley together with its sister town, Ribeck West. Now, joining us this morning is Gareth Diwar Pinar, who is representing the accommodation sector. And he wears a couple of hats. Um, in this beautiful valley. Now, there are quite a few attractions in the Rebecca Steel Valley, and we're going to be talking to a few people this um, this afternoon, trying to get a sense of what it's all about and why we should head out there. Good morning and welcome, Gareth. Lovely to have you, or oh, lovely to speak to you again, Janet. It's been a while, but it's always good to connect with you and the Magic 88 team. Wonderful, Gareth. I have such fond memories of my visit to Rebec, um, oh, Castile, you know. Yeah. I'm still in love with the yellow couch in your lounge. And um, I must tell all of you that Gareth is a, is a consummate entertainer, but he has a whole team that entertains with him. And we're going to be hearing lots of interesting stories about Gareth and his team. But firstly, Gareth is representing Vineyard Views Country House, and uh, it is a purpose-built guest house that was established at the end of 2016 and uh, really has worked magic in the space of 18 months. And they were recently ranked the top traveler ranked accommodation establishment in the Rebec Valley, according to TripAdvisor. And I can tell you, as having been somebody who stayed there, that I 100% agree with this review. Um, not only that, but Gareth, this must be some kind of, of magic, but to get 153 consecutive excellent reviews on the site is quite an accolade, Gareth. Thank you, Janet. Um, yeah, we're very proud of what we've achieved in the last sort of five to six years. Um, but it really just stems from an absolute passion for hospitality and a passion for the industry and a passion for hosting guests and to showing and to show them the magic that is the Rubik Valley. And I mean we couldn't be more lucky to have a more brilliant place to show off than the Rubik Valley itself. That sounds wonderful, Gareth. But you wear another hat also. You're also involved in Rebec Valley Tourism, am I right? Uh, yes, it's a recent position uh, with Rebec Valley Tourism representing the accommodation establishments of the area. So uh, I've only just started sort of working on it. So I'm looking forward to trying to assist where I can and to promote the beautiful accommodation establishments and the varied accommodation establishments that we have in the area. Well, Gareth, I think that they're very lucky to have you. You really are a purveyor of fine taste. And uh, it's going to be great to hear you chat to us about what the Valley has to offer in terms of accommodation. And then more specifically about Vineyard Views. So maybe do a little overview for our listeners of the kinds of accommodation we can expect to encounter in Rebecca Valley. And then we can zone in on your beautiful establishment and then work from there. 
Wonderful. Um, I think what's really important is in the last couple of years, the Rivik Valley Tourism Office has really worked hard at establishing the Rivik Valley as arts town. And I think that's really, really important. Um, it's not only from an artistic point of view, the fact that we have probably the most commercial artists within a allocated area or town or village in South Africa, but we also have art in terms of the art of hospitality, the art of wine, the art of food, the art of entertainment. And I think that's really the focus that we're trying to portray with the Rubik Valley. From an accommodation perspective, we've got beautiful places like the Royal Hotel, which are which is one of the oldest accommodation establishments in the country. We've got ourselves. We've got a host of self-catering options. We've got B&Bs. We've got lovely Airbnbs. So there's really something for everyone and for every budget within the Rivik Valley who wants to come and visit. Well, certainly a nice a uh, very service offering, Gareth. I think that uh, there's something for everybody in the valley, for sure. And those sunsets uh, on the stoop of the Royal Hotel is almost out of um, a movie for me. I have a, a you know, a really a brilliant picture of what it's like. And every establishment in the area seems to come with its own charm, with its own specific appeal. And that's what's so special. You know, no two are alike. So one could be in the middle of a, a movie set at the Royal Hotel or just feel like um, a famous actress there at the Vineyard Views um, Garden Country House. It's really quite a nice um, spread of offerings, which is wonderful because there's a budget for everybody and uh, certainly a taste for everyone as well. Now, Gareth, I remember that when I got there, I was very warmly greeted by you, but you had a whole entourage of people that came with you. Now, will you tell us about those four-legged furry friends of yours who have become very much a part of the establishment and uh, the marketing campaign I'm seeing as well um, about your furry friends that form part of your establishment? Yes, Janet, we try to create a home away from home at Vineyard Views. It's a really a pared down barefoot luxury experience that we try and offer our guests. And part of that is our whole front of house PR team, which consists of Harrison, Olivia, Nigella and Juno, our four fur mm -hmm. babies, who are there mm -hmm. to provide lots of cuddles, big welcomes. Um, I think it's important that create a home away from home atmosphere in terms of having them around and Olivia is probably the best ambassador for for Vineyard Views uh, in terms of she's the one who's definitely going to ensure that you feel welcomed and completely loved and expect some love in return as well. <laughs> well I must say I was completely enamored and I felt so special because I was like, she loves me. She really, really loves me. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she loves having guests around. She definitely loves having company around. And there's no greater reward for a rescue dog than to come into an environment like this where she receives so much attention and love. Now, Gareth, I have fond memories of uh, pastries baking in the oven, a sense of home and comfort. You know, it's a rainy day in Cape Town. And uh, one thinks of all the special things from one's childhood on days like this. But you've managed to create a really special kind of kitchen. And uh, you do some outside catering and a few in-house events. You're bringing a lot of things together in that space, Gareth. Tell us about that and tell us where the appeal is for people coming in. So we have a great passion for food and a great passion, obviously, for entertaining. So we sort of combine the two loves of our life. Uh, mm -hmm. And at Vineyard Views, we tried to create a slightly different experience from what the other offerings were in the valley. And I think that's what's unique about the valley. There are so many varied offerings here. Um, but our offering differs slightly from others in that uh, we quite a food-driven experience at Vineyard Views. So part of your stay when you uh, come to Vineyard Views would be an afternoon tea and a fresh cake every day. 
We do some canapes with evening drinks in the evening. And then we do a three-course continental-style breakfast in the morning. And absolutely everything that you experience at Vineyard Views during your stay will be homemade and made in our kitchen itself. The only thing, however, that I have to confess that is not made by us are the croissants that you eat at breakfast in the morning because they're imported from France and I can't do any better than that. Oh, wow. that's, (laughs) That's kind of our offering in a nutshell. We do, however, also offer our guests dinners by request. It's a three-course set menu dinner. And we've done several functions where we've combined the art of hospitality and the art of food with the art of wine. And we've partnered with some wonderful Swatland wineries like Renostobos, um, Irban Sadi, uh, the Malinus, and various other uh, independent producers like Swerve and... Um, and and various others where we have created sort of food and wine dining experiences. We also open ourselves up to private functions and events, and we've been lucky enough to host some beautiful functions and events at Vineyard Views. So from that point of view, the food has been an exceptionally good marketing tool for us. But again, it's all about our passion, and it's about making people feel welcome and at home when they're at Vineyard Views. Well, it certainly sounds, Gareth, like a must-stop um, spot in Rebeck Valley. It's uh, it's really quite special the way in which you've managed to bring so many things together. There's a lot of collaboration, you know, with local vineyards, with producers. I remember the story of Mrs. Botter, who brings your home-churned butter to you in her little karaki. And I think that... Uh, really encapsulates the spirit of what tourism is all about right now. Collaboration, um, trying to to shop local and developing local producers, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we are exceptionally fortunate in the Rubik Valley. I mean, not only do we have the art of food, wine and art itself, Uh, But we've also got um, artisanal producers. We have some amazing people in the valley. Uh, I know you mentioned Mahrit, who supplies us with uh, the beautiful butter that we use in our baking and on our breakfast and dinner tables every day. But there are also wonderful things like the Raw Berry Press, which produces cold-pressed 100% natural juices, which we serve now at our breakfast table. They're wonderful people like the Country Chick who supply with the most beautiful free-range local chicken and eggs. And yes, it's really been very fortunate for us that we've got people like this in the valley. They're also wonderful suppliers. We have an aquaponics farm uh, in the area as well, which supplies us with all our herbs and veg. And I mean, it's really amazing to visit the valley and to experience all of this. There's the wonderful butchery Delico where we can supply it, that supplies us with meat and 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 all produce coming from there. So it's really an amazing experience. And then obviously we've got the olives and the art of olive mm-hmm. and olive oils. So it really is something for everybody. And if you're a foodie, the Rubik Valley is definitely the place to come and visit with a host of other wonderful restaurants and and shops and all of that as well. Gareth, it sounds idyllic. It sounds like a place where we should come to do our Saturday shopping. It's really been wonderful chatting to you, Gareth, and brings back fond memories of my visit to you. I wish you and the team all of the best. I know that there's a lot that we have all navigated during these challenging times of the pandemic. And it sounds like you and the team have really grown and and innovated during that time. The quiet time has allowed you to really introspect and come up with some amazing offerings for potential guests. So I wish you and the team all the best, Gareth. Thank you so much, Janet. We really appreciate your ongoing support of the Rubik Valley and and, and our wonderful space and environment that is the Rubik Valley and our home. And yes, like you say, we all have to collaborate. We all have to support one another. And we thank you so much for your continued support of this beautiful valley of ours. It's a big pleasure, Gareth, and thank you for your generous prize for our listeners. It really is quite special to head out to Vineyard Views Country House. I promise you it will be like stepping into a novel. So listeners who are wanting to experience that should go onto the Jet Setting with Janet 
Facebook page and enter our competition in order to meet Gareth, his wonderful partner and his fur babies all in this beautiful Rebecca Valley. Thank you, Janet. Goodbye. Bye. Talking about all things art, you know, we heard Gareth talk about the art of hospitality and the art of wine and the art of hospitality in a very beautiful part of our country, the Ribeck Valley. We are now heading over to the founder and director of Solo Studios, Klaus Paprek. Klaus has um, really brought together a lot of loves in his life. He spent most of his career in the hospitality and events industry and started up together with a few of the acclaimed residential artists based in Rebecca Valley, the Solo Studios. It really focuses on intimate art encounters. It's received a lot of interest of late. I haven't seen it myself, but it's a great reason for me to head back to the Rebecca Valley to experience Solo Studios. And currently, it is the sixth edition of Solo Studios, having hosted the inaugural event in 2016. And of course, as we all know, the coronavirus outbreak forced us to close certain things and go back to the drawing board. Um, but Solo Art Studios is now back, bigger, better, and beautifully reimagined um, from the 22nd of August to the 26th of August in the Rebecca Valley. Good morning and welcome, Klaus. Hi, good morning, uh, Janet, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, yes, as Gareth uh, alluded to, you know, the Rebeck Valley has really become a, a major tourist attraction from a cultural tourism point of view. If you look at um, the tourism-related businesses here, it all evolves really around not only artists, but artisans and crafters. Um, there's such a high density of, of those kinds of creative minds here that it made sense to establish the destination as Arts Town Rebeck Valley as a, as a tourism mm -hmm. destination, as a brand. So when I arrived in about 2015, um, my sister had already been resident here for a few years and had opened an art gallery and was telling me about all the acclaimed resident artists that were living here and that they had been talking about creating an event to to showcase their, their work and their studios and their processes and inspirations, etc. Now, knowing creative people, um, the creative part of their minds and brains, if I may say, might not have the organizational skills necessarily to put together a, a, an event of, of this nature. So, And that's we, where a Klaus comes in, right? That was where, where I came in from, a, uh, from an events management um, background, absolutely. So we, we had a few discussions with some of the uh, more acclaimed or better known um, artists that we knew were resident in the Valley. And as we started putting out feelers, we suddenly realized that there was a far, far higher density than, than first uh, anticipated and that most of them didn't even know about each other. If you imagine artists, a lot of them are quite reclusive and were scattered yes. throughout the valley and doing their stuff. And one and tends to work in a silo, you know, the creative exactly. process. You exactly. introspect and there you go, you're gone and you're not thinking or looking around you. And how wonderful to have someone like you bring it all together, Klaus. Well, exactly. And then they, or, or they'd be out there in the mountains on plain air and uh, doing, finding their own inspiration, but never really collaborating. So that's how the idea was born. And we thought it was just a good idea at the time and let's try it out. And not, not having really any high expectations, we were absolutely bowled over by the success. We had about 350 visitors on our first weekend, which was quite something for one weekend in a small rural town uh, such as us or the two towns, the twin towns here. So, yeah, it, it, uh, Plus, it isn't that just uh, isn't that just a testimony to the fact that if something exciting is happening, if something's of interest to people, that they will come and seek you out. And I think that's become the trend that we're seeing in tourism: that people head out, they go look for new adventures, they're reading, they're watching what's happening around them, and they're supporting. Absolutely, that's absolutely the case, and I think the authenticity of it. You know, we are <clears throat> still to this year we are ninety percent local content, so it's authentic. It's not a festival. It's not Solar Studios is not an arts festival. We don't uh, how we describe it. We don't put up flea markets and beer tents and that kind of thing. We open up the artist studios, their their personal intimate spaces. Um, so it's it's life in the rural dorpies as you would normally experience it, but just with a little extra zing and. Everybody mm -hmm. puts on their best dress and uh, the chefs oh, come out, the musicians come out, the winemakers come out, the olive makers. So there's, there's a role 
in this event for everybody to play. And we, we're very proud. I mean, I was listening to your podcast with the CEO of Cape Town Tourism the other day. And yes, it's been, it's been very challenging. If you recall from day zero, the water restrictions to COVID, to oh load shedding. Goodness, yes. It's tough to keep, to keep, um, I think we've had a war room in the Western Cape that we've never shut down, Klaus. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it continues, you know, um, but. <laughs> We, we have a we have a responsibility. It's not just about the artists. It's about business. It's about community. It's about development. It's about keeping heads above water. So we have a responsibility. We couldn't do the event last year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what I say is, you know, many of the events and festivals went went online and virtual. We couldn't. We decided not to because we're not selling art. We're selling an experience. When people come to our event, yes, they do go into the studios. They engage with the artists. They buy the art directly. But we're selling the experience. And, you know, walking past the baker or the coffee shop and, and getting those scents out of those businesses or, or popping in or, or – or, into a random wine tasting you can't do that online so we we cancelled last year and um fortunately conditions are almost back to normal so we back this year with a bang and uh and and, and a little bit larger we brought some in more interesting elements in from outside so we're looking forward to it and this happens next week from the 26th to the 28th of of august well, I'm certainly penciling that into my calendar, Klaus. I'm looking forward to meeting you and having a personalized, um, curated experience of uh, Solo Studio. Now, Klaus, this that we're talking about, and we're talking about it in terms of art and hospitality and eventing, is really about creating a microcosmic economy that supports the local artists, that supports all the local industries, it is a great example of, uh, you know, buying local, supporting local. And it really is the way to go in order to break away from our dependency and our almost uh, hothouse condition of just depending on international tourists. I think COVID has been a good lesson for everybody that the return tourist is where the money is, you know, to have somebody come to South Africa once in three years or once in five years or just once and never come back, um, I think it's been a good lesson for us to take better care of our domestic traveler, to offer more options when it comes to experiences. And you've brought a whole lot of elements together from food and wine to art and experiences, which is quite special in the Valley. Well, it's exactly that. And, you know, we, we realized after that first hard lockdown when the COVID pandemic hit, um, how suddenly how busy we got when we reopened our guest houses. I was operating a little guest house at the time too. And we found people having been locked up for so long, just wanted to get out. And somehow I, I certainly had a few records. That's months the ago. revenge tourism that, that Enver Dumini was talking about last week, you know. The yeah, revenge tourism, the, the feeling of being cooped up and I just want to be somewhere, anywhere. I'm going yeah. to go and look, discover in my backyard. So exactly that. And and I think what people have done subsequently as um, from the centres, from Cape Town, etc., have discovered these smaller towns and are now returning on a more regular basis. And what we really do is provide a platform with Solo Studios once a year. And the timing is also important. It's towards the tail end of the winter months, which traditionally are the quieter months from a tourism perspective. Businesses have been struggling anyway. Um, so we we inject quite a, quite a few million into the local economy and expose the destination to a newer, a wider audience. And we've noticed that there is a lot of repeat business. So exactly what you're alluding to there. And Gareth, for example, can also tell you at Vineyard Views, they have the same the same crowd wanting to come back and want to know the dates of Solar Studios well in advance every year to rebook. So we, we really are proud of what we've achieved there. We've, uh, we've got a nice new uh, uh, niche following and we're getting new, new visitors every year. And uh, yeah, the timing couldn't be better after this battle that we fought for the last three years we, we're really looking forward Absolutely. to a really eventful, uh, yeah, weekend well class i must say it really is a, a wonderful meeting of creative minds i'm so impressed with what you've done in the valley i think it's a, a special skill to be able to bring things together but with a focus on business you know the business of art is a challenging one and i think you're well poised to bring all of the elements together engage with your local producers, your local artists, and make it an experience that's truly immersive, that people get to spend two days and spend some of that money. 
I'd be very interested to know what the full economic impact would be uh, once the the um, you know the week 22 to 26 is over. I was quite gobsmacked because the Mossel Bay uh, played host to the Garden Route International Film Festival, and when they said to me that they generated 40 million, I almost fell on my back. I didn't. We don't get to see, you know, we don't drill down and see. So. It's great work, Klaus. It's truly ec local economic development. Forget all the municipalities and the rest of it. And isn't this just exactly what we should be doing, taking responsibility for our own economic well-being and leading our communities at a time when government is, is really, you know, focusing on other things. We're taking responsibility for ourselves and, and saying we're here, we're here to stay, we believe in this place and we invest in it and um, we're creating our own opportunities. It's exactly that, Janet. Um, if I may just correct you the dates, it's the 26th. It's from, from Friday morning next weekend, the 26th to the 28th is when the event is actually on. But um, yeah, it's exactly that. We, we, we are fortunate this year to have had a bit of support from uh, and much appreciated support from Westboro and from Business and Arts South Africa. Um, but the rest is a private initiative. Um, and you know, it's really, it's really been quite phenomenal. And when you, when you put a figure out like that of 40 million, that Mossel Bay raised a couple of years ago. You know, we don't quite have the resources to do a detailed uh, survey, but I, I did some snap surveying on some of my friends that came to visit that weekend two, three years ago. And if mm -hmm. I extrapolate their spend for the weekend in a little village like this or a little valley destination like this, between the wine farms, the olive producers, the accommodation, the art, the shopping in general, we were also looking at a, a region of 15 to 20 million over, over sort of a three day period, which is quite it's staggering. staggering. That is yeah. staggering, Klaus. Very, very and, rewarding. And fantastic news. Very rewarding for all the collaborations and the hard work that you've been putting in. Klaus, it's been fascinating chatting to you. You know, I always take my hat off to people from the creative space who make that business work for them because we have so many poor artists in our country. And uh, it's really wonderful to have people like you in our midst who can mobilize artists, who can mobilize producers and create market, um, create markets and access to market so that they can really earn from their craft. It's been fascinating chatting to you, Klaus. Thank you for joining us on Jet Setting with Janet. And thank you for your generous prize of a two-night midweek stay um, at Blumendahl Cottage. That's very, very generous. Uh, some lucky listener is going to snap that up and come looking for this, this um, great messiah called Klaus Paprek. Thank you, Janet. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. You're a creative messiah, Klaus. <laughs> Just own it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Janet. Great chatting to you. Thanks for the opportunity. And you. Wonderful chatting to you. Thank you. Cheers and bye-bye. Wow. So that was Klaus Paprek, a very interesting and admirable young man who is making waves in the Rebec Valley, bringing together lots of producers and, and creating a, a microeconomy uh, within that beautiful valley. Next up, we're chatting to Peter DeToy, who is the owner of the Kluvenberg Wine and Olive Estate. I always wonder how a teacher and a um, sheer a teacher and a BCom graduate can create something as powerful as Kluvenberg. And, uh, you know, I come from a combination of spaces. I cannot imagine myself as an academic farming. But I think that Peter's uh, parents were, were very special people because a school teacher and a BCom graduate came together and now we have Kluvenberg. Good morning and welcome, Peter. Good morning. Thank you to be part it's of the conversation. <laughs> It's a pleasure. It's great to chat to you again. And I was telling the story of how a school teacher and a BCom graduate came together and created Kluvenberg. But there's lots of stories in between that, right? Yeah, there's quite a lot of stories, yeah. <laughs> well, we are all about the story, Peter. So we're looking forward to chatting to you and hearing uh, about Kluvenberg and the history of Kluvenberg. I believe that it was in 1956 when your two grandfathers, de Toy and de Kock, who was a sheep farmer uh, and a businessman and mayor uh, bought 
Kluvenberg. Is that right? Yes, Janet, that's 100% correct. Yes, yeah, my grandfather, like you mentioned, um, from was the mayor of Marmesbury, and they were, in 1956, there was two farms that was on auction. And the one was the well-known Lanzerak in Stellenbosch. Uh-huh. And that was in, that was in roughly in in March, March April, and then my my two grandfathers had go up to to the auction, and as my mom still will tell me the story that when they was driving up to Landsrak, my father of, of 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 from my grandfather from this from the Karoo just mentioned, but it's all sandy soil, too good, too good um, soil for grapes. But at the end of the day, it's in, in, in August, that was the auction of Klippenberg, and then they had bought this wonderful farm. And today, I'm very proud that they're not staying in Stellenbosch, but I'm staying in the beautiful Ribic Valley. Well, it's certainly an enviable space to be, Peter. We've been chatting to Gareth and Klaus and hearing about all the local produce. I think I could have a completely organic life living there. Uh, definitely. That's why we're looking so good here. <laughs> I see so. I see so. I'm very envious. People don't seem to age in the valley. Everybody looks healthy and well, and their minds work very well and function, you know, at a very high level um, of cognitive behavior. So um, there must be something in the food. You guys look and, and, and think so good because you eat so good, right? <laughs> no, we, we are really blessed. We are really blessed. And a lot of people ask me... Um, but your sons are also big and quite strong. And what's happening? Is there something in the water? And my <laughs> wife always, my wife always tell the story now. It's about the olive oil that they're drinking when they were still young. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. So I that is part of the recipe. But you yourself have had uh, what a what an interesting legacy, Peter. I mean, uh, the two grandfathers and then your parents who come completely from a different space. And here you are with the four boys. I see you matriculated from Swartland High School. You did some military service. You went to Stelly's for two years. And then you decided uh, you wanted a bigger farm than, than, than Stellenbosch University. And you headed back home, right? <laughs> yes, I'm saying correct. Yes, yeah. Uh, I think um, I, was, I was really st- struggled with the, some chemicals in the wine, in wine, in the wine glass. And my my grand my dad was knowing the professor, and he had phoning me and he said, "Do you know? Do Peter stay, Peter still stay, Peter? Do you need to to be successful as a winemaker and to finish his degree? Because I see he struggle. And at the end of the day, I think my dad was say, "You you need to be more on the farm than uh, to struggle." Mm. And, at, at, at the university. So, yeah, luckily I had making that decision and today I'm very proud on that. Well, it's you're very lucky to have a, a father who recognized that and encouraged you in the right direction. I think if that didn't happen, you could have been a very unhappy young man and not to have these four strapping young sons of yours and a beautiful wife, Annaline, who is a great support to you, who shares your philosophy. I think it's a, it's such a beautiful romantic story uh, that you could come together and create this legacy and continue this legacy because your legacy is also a new one because you're doing new and interesting things, but uh, it's so carefully ensconced in the in the heritage concept of your grandfathers and your your parents. And I think it's uh, it's a fresh new story. Um, and there's a lot of fresh new things happening at Kluvenberg, Peter, which I'd love for you to tell our listeners about because you've got Eight Feet Village. But tell us first about Kluvenberg itself. It's got a, you know, it's very popular. It always has been. And it's got a great energy that's running through it. Uh, I remember visiting that room where there's a beautiful gallery of your ancestors um, please share all of that with our listeners and bring it alive with, for them so that they head out and visit you soon. Yeah, Jeanette, thanks a lot. Yeah, um, I just want to mention, yeah, I think my, I'm, I'm very, very proud of my wife and also my dad, which is um, always helping us. And, and we, we, we are a very strong team that uh, if somebody needs help, we always here. We always support each other, myself and my wife and, and the whole family. 
Um, if some one of the boys needs some help, we are always there, really. And I think that's why that is one one thing I can tell the visitors is as a family, and that's what we had seen during COVID. A lot of families, some of them are um, destroyed because the mom was staying at home and she could not mm-hmm. go on with the boys and staying at, in, in, in the house or to tell them to treat, to, to learn them something about school. But for us, it was really to come more and more closer to each other. And that's why we, we had so many time on our hands and we were sitting every day and every night and we were speaking, what are we going to do? What's, what's happening going to happen in the future if COVID is going on like this? And family is very, very important for us at Klubenburg. And that's where we had started with the Kringer and the Boss, with only to have children. Do you know what is the nicest thing to see children playing and enjoy themselves? And that is under, under all the old oak trees and dinner trees, which is more than 150 years old, to let the children playing and screaming and the family enjoy themselves. And that's where we had started with Kringer and the Boss. This is open restaurant that we had here with at Kluvenberg, at the wine cellar, so that the, the, the mums and the dads can go on for wine tasting and olive tasting, and the children can go and have a fantastic time on the pump track or playing at the trampoline or just playing with some nice toys outside. And after that, they can have a pizza or a burger. So that is that is for us. That is a it was a it was a dream that was really coming true during the COVID. And then after that, um, we had starting with this with the eight feet trailer, which Johan was the most uh, initiative guy, my second son, uh-huh. starting with, uh, with the, to put it on eight feet where the, where it's a fantastic lookout point. And you know, when I was, when I was sitting down here, I still remember that my grandfather, who was the mayor of Marmersbury, they had come once a month to, to Klivenberg on, on Sundays and to my mom and as a family. And they'd always had stopped there and they was drinking some tea. And that will be roughly at the Sunday at 11.30. And she mm-hmm. was always, when she was sitting there, she was always, when she's coming back or coming to the farm, she said, oh, she's just cleaning her mind. And that was mm-hmm. the idea for me 20 years ago to, to, to do something there. And I always waiting for the boys who, was, who want to come to help me. And now... This is a fantastic open restaurant that we had, we have on Eight Feet Village there, and mostly Johan is in charge there. We also had um, a, a partner there, Mr. Ike Hassan, we're helping us. We mostly concentrate on the Mura restaurant. So yeah, I'm I'm a farmer. I'm not a restauranteur, and it's nice to have somebody <laughs> helping you in a in a in a way. So yeah, we had fantastic view Absolutely, on top there, and we are very proud. I must say that uh, it's such a beautiful story of a family legacy, and um, I would love for you to le- to tell our listeners what the Eight Feet Village, where the name comes from. But before we go to that, I just want to say that when you sit there at Eight Feet Village, you have unhinged views of the valley, and you can have anything from pizza and a coffee to a glass of wine or a beer. And it really is a thinking space. Uh, has your cigar bar gone up yet, Peter? Is it is it functional? The cigar bar is open. It's ready for for, for anybody who wants to have a cigar. <laughs> cigar bar. And I think we must we must there we must sitting there and have a nice chat with you and have a, all of us must have a cigar. A cigar and a single malt, please, Peter, is the best. I invite you. I invite you. Are you on my list? Are you on my list? <laughs> well, what yeah, I was I so amazed by is the way in which you brought so many elements together. And I know that, you know, Ike has been quite instrumental in terms of the restaurant and the, the ideas. It's just uh, a very a very fertile space because people come and there's little shops and it's a completely containerized space. And then you have this wide open field. And I remember you telling me that you'd love uh, to have people do little hikes and and walk and then come back for lunch and uh, just enjoy the valley from there. Is that still happening? Yeah, um, just to come back, 
just to tell the visitors that either my third son, Anton, he was also very involved in building the, the containers and making the whole deck. So when you're sitting on the deck, it was all, all made of the whole family. Um, everybody was really helping from Peter, Steph, until Daniel. Everybody was really involved in, in, in helping there to make it a, a huge success. So, yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still growing. I will say eight feet is on now. It's 15, 1.5%, 15% where we see it in the future. We want to making a lot of stalls, stalls there, and we want to make it like the words say, village. And the eight is coming from my four boys who was always running in the, in the winery when they were still young. They was always playing in the cellar, was always helping me, not helping me, but sometimes it was, it was just playing in the cellar and was, for me, it was nice to see them. And when they getting older, they was, Johan was do some pump overs for me and Daniel was helping me and Peter Steph was helping me. Everybody was helping me on a Sunday. So to come back to the hiking, yeah, the hiking we had last week, we had finished one trail, which we, you had, we had a guy whose name is Yuri, who going to doing bookings, and he had put a lot of effort to, to, to doing the hiking trail. We're just waiting for the name boards. We began to put up to the trees, and he will do it now. I think in the next, next two to three weeks, we will starting with the advertising and I can email 8Feet or Kluvenberg to, to getting more information about the hiking trails, which we're going to be organizing. If people want to go on their own, they must come to the farm fully in the normal papers. But from there on, if they want to organize the walks, we can doing a package for them. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that is another thing that we want to put for the, for the, for the valley. It's, everything is going for the valley. Um, so that we're getting, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, when I'm sitting here, I, I, I'm getting more, um, like I can say, very, very opgewonde, is the correct Afrikaans word. Ik raak ook baie opgewonde, Peter. I think for me, the thing that resonates the most, Peter, is the fact that it really is a family-run operation. And your story about the eight feet and the boys helping you, you know, it's something out of a out of a novel. It's really creating a legacy, and I think the 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 Indian and the and the Afrikaans culture is very similar. You know, we have big families. We eat around a table. We all involved with each other's lives, and uh, there's always aunts and uncles, and you know, you literally are raised by a village. And our cultures are so similar. So when you tell me about it, it gives me a sense of home. And it's a place where uh, I can see how this happened and how this was built. It's um, you really creating a beautiful picture for all of us who are family oriented. And for yeah. those listeners who have large families who are wanting to come and do something special, there's a really beautiful story behind the things that they're experiencing. It's not just a commercial operation. It is the story of a family, their aspirations, and, uh, you know, continuing traditions through the boys. 100%, 100%. I think, like you was mentioned about the Indians, and I, th I think they, they, are, they are for us a very good example to, if you, if you are only on your own, you're not as strong as all people are together and I can think you can learn so much out of the past of the of the of, of that culturing of the Indian people because if they want to starting with a, with a, with a business they always will get their aunts or their younger brothers or sisters together and that's really what we want to do on Klugenberg and as the a Energy. The collective energy, absolutely. Peter, it's been really heartfelt chatting to you. I love the story of Kluvenberg. I love the sense of family. I feel excited whenever I chat to you. So it's been um, it's been great. Thank you for joining us on Jet Setting with Janet. And thank you for the wonderful prize that you've made available to our listeners. There's a wine tasting and a lunch for two and a gift hamper. And I can tell you there's going to be wine and olives and lots and lots of love in that gift hamper. Peter, a great weekend ahead for you and the family. Thanks a lot, Jeanette. And we really, I will take you on with that one at the cigar and with the whiskey that's on my That's list. I will, I will personally invite you. 
the pittier the better, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Chat okay. again soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Isn't this just what COVID has taught us? It's all about families and collaborations and sharing collective IQ and talking about bringing, you know, just families together. It's it's a very special time. I think COVID either brought families together or pushed them apart. It's um, it's a great story to listen to the story of Kluvenberg. Very, very special place, very special people. And talking about special people, we are joined. Our last chat this morning is with Anne Haynes. She grew up in the Cape. She has studied something I really can't quite pronounce. It's called <laughs> ortho. Pedagogy. Am, am I saying that right, Anne? After four years of study, I think I'm also still struggling with that word. <laughs> so I shouldn't feel too bad. So Anne has quite an interesting history. She grew up in the Cape um, and worked and studied in Stellenbosch. And uh, shortly after getting married, you know, all of us girls dream of this uh, Joining a joining a man in the diplomatic corps and and all of that travel and shopping, and she was very privileged to spend three postings in Europe in the eighties and the nineties. Lived in Austria, Germany, and uh, after the fall of the Iron Curtain and the dismantling of apartheid, decided to make the transition and head back to Stellenbosch of all places. Of course, coming back home is the best, isn't it, Anne? Oh, there's nothing to compare to South Africa, I must say. It is good to see well, your country from, from a bird's eye view, to look at it from a different perspective, perhaps. But then to come back to South Africa with that perspective, I think that is tops. And Anne, you bring with you a, a wealth of expertise. Having spent 27 years in the tourism industry, you headed to Rebecca Castile in uh, early 2021 and you've just you're a new recruit hey you're surrounded by all of these people who've been there for a long time but coming with a lot of passion about culture and tourism and believing in the Rebec Valley as being a great vehicle for socioeconomic development we've had some robust conversations with Klaus and Peter and Gareth all your stalwarts in the Rebec Valley who are adding much value to, to the value and creating unique and interesting product to generate a, a very interesting uh, economic hotspot, Anne. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Janet. Having especially come from Stellenbosch after almost uh, 27 years that I spent there, I was very, very much surprised at the diversity that I found in Ribic. When I landed here because of the children, um, I didn't expect to find the, the wealth that uh, not only came in the people capital, but also knowledge, uh, expertise, the, the people themselves, the, the culture. Um, you know, it's dubbed Arts Town. So there were such a diverse um, attractions that could draw people here. And I'm very, very blessed indeed to not to have come to a typical Platelands Adorpe where nothing is happening. <laughs> it's a, I a lot of even if here. nothing was happening, you would actually make it happen, Anne. You strike me <laughs> as that kind of girl. Uh, uh, I, I think that might be true. Um, I remember about a year and a half ago when I arrived here, I didn't know anybody. And in fact, I didn't know anybody else who had moved here before. So um, I thought, well, I can, I'm the only one who can rectify that. So I contacted a few people and within about two weeks, we had a first meet and greet, can you imagine, of all new incomers. Wow. And um, well, there you go, I, I summed I, you up perfectly. You're a mover and a shaker. <laughs> we had 80 people attend that first meeting, Janet. 80. Oh, and now goodness. we've been doing that oh, that's so every, every three months. We repeat the meet and greet. We've never had less than 50 people. So it means a lot is happening. 
um, Ribic Valley, certainly on the map because of its uh, proximity to Cape Town. Um, it's mm -hmm. easy going, it's easy on the N7, uh, proximity to towns like Malmesbury, Tolbach, Wellington. Uh, it's all around us, really. And then uh, more importantly is that the pandemic has taught us that we can actually work from home. And I think that makes it easy for people to make that shift, come and live in the Platteland, have the wonderful fresh air, uh, the beauty, um, good lifestyle, but then also accessible to, to cities if you need to. How fantastic. And I spent a weekend in the Ribbeck Valley and I made so many friends. So I can imagine what your social calendar is like. It's just beautiful people, <laughs> full of love, interesting fireside chats. Everybody's a foodie. Everybody's good at what they do. It's my kind of place for sure because people take so much pride in everything that they do. And they're all conversationalists. Mm -hmm which is why I suspect that the time that we've allocated for our program might not be nearly enough because <laughs> it's been such an interesting chat yeah. with everybody uh, from Klaus to Gareth and others. It's really been quite interesting. But Anne, yeah. from the international perspective, you've had the benefit that many people have not had of living in different countries and Europe is so fast moving. We believe that We believe that it's so advanced tourism-wise and we, uh, you know, as South Africans, we always feel that something from outside has got to be better than what we're doing. I'd love to hear your perspective on that thought. Uh, it seems to be a thought that guides a lot of people and I think that it's time to actually destroy that mind frame that says that we're not good enough, we don't have enough value in what we do. What are your thoughts on that, Anne? We live in interesting times, Janet, and I think that Europe is double-taking and thinking that their lifestyle and their culture and their money will um, benefit them in, internally and eternally. They are facing huge problems at the moment. So I think, um, first of all, the globe has become small. And if you want to find a footprint somewhere where you can still be authentic and real, I, th I think that is the, the ultimate um, goal when people travel, that they want to engage with the locals. And we find that um, it's that immersion into our culture that gives people a new perspective on South Africa. And first timers here, very rarely are only first-timers. They very often return to South Africa. So I think we have a lot to offer. People are absolutely gobsmacked when they come here to see the diversity, not only in landscape, but the people, the friendliness of the people. So we definitely, in terms of global destinations, we have... We're not going to stand back in the line. We are at the forefront of innovation. We are on the forefront of creativity. And I think it, it just, it, it transcends. It comes through the people, even the people that you've interviewed this morning, um, the passion. And I think a lot of that For has sure. been. That's a great energy. Great yeah, energy that's been shared. Mm. We have the mix. Let me let it put it this way. We definitely have the you know, mix. Of mm -hmm. Absolutely, Anne. And I've just returned from a European summer holiday. And I can tell you that the manner of South Africans, the way we bend over backwards, we try to make a plan for everything. We are such great hosts. You don't always get that in Europe. You know, it is the way it is. You either take it or leave mm -hmm. it. It's a very different attitude to what we have. And sometimes as a South African, one is quite sensitive to that and one wonders, am I not welcome here? Or is this just the manner of people? And I came mm. back and said to all my friends in tourism, you have to audit what you offer because what we offer is something so phenomenal. We offer sunshine and love and wide open spaces 
the opportunity to be free and to just engage openly. People respond to people. And I think that warm South African hospitality is our uniquest offering, the people and the diversity of the people, the unique characters. It's um, something that we so openly share who we are. And you can travel to a place and stay in beautiful hotels and eat the best food. But when you engage with people is when you actually truly get to experience a country. And I think that's something that the Rubeck Valley actually has as, as its unique selling point, is that people are open and warm and you feel the love when you're there. Absolutely. Now, um, Janet, I'm not sure whether you're aware that from the 1st of July, we have a new um, company and we are now running under the banner Swartland Tourism to include the yes. towns of Asia Fontaine, Darling, uh, Malmesbury, Mauriceburg, Kurangberg, and then ourselves. So, and having said that, you know, these, it's known as the Swartland, oh, and that's not something that I can translate, but Swartland effectively um, hosts all of these towns with such a diversity. You can imagine Swartland has a beach, <laughs> And we have um, just look at the at the agriculture and the the wheatlands, the um, livestock. My goodness, the canola is flowering at the moment. It is awesome. It's stunning. So, any photographer out there, it's the time to be here in in the Swartland. Now, because of this diversity, one can offer something on the doorstep of Cape Town. So, of course, domestic tourism is our major concern. Well, I think at the it's, a, it's a very, it's a very good strategic move to to join all of those beautiful towns together. And how fantastic for you that Swatland now has a beach, absolutely. And uh, you know, thinking about all of these little towns, each with their unique character and. I think it's going to be quite an interesting experience as this collaboration unfolds. Thank you for, for telling us about this new structure that's been created. I think that there will be good economic value and uh, certainly shared budgets, shared resources can truly build that whole corridor. Mm -hmm. Janet, if I may, there are quite a few things happening in the next month. So people well, have an opportunity to travel. You have six minutes to tell us, do the elevator pitch and tell us why we should head out there, Anne. Fabulous. Now you've all heard about the solo studios that will take place. It will just take over this town. It's going to be absolutely incredible, 25th to 28th. I'm sure Klaus has told you everything about it. I'm not sure whether he mentioned that there's an after-party bash at La Parilla, La Parilla. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. I'm glad you're in the, I'm glad you're in the studio because we would never have known this. <laughs> and then we're very popular uh, First Friday weekend. Now, First Friday weekends mean that First Friday is not enough to offer everything. So we make a whole weekend of it. And um, this one in particular will celebrate spring. Hello, spring. So a Friday evening dance at the local pub, Jolly Olive longer shopping hours, specials at the restaurant. It's just really a, a time to be here. Porcelainburg will be doing a 4 by 4 route over um, on the 27th of August. Sorry, the first Friday weekend, I forgot to mention the date. It's the 2nd to the 4th of September. Whereas the Porcelainburg uh, 4 by 4 is going to be... Uh, held obviously for those who want to spend time with nature even those who don't really want to sit behind the wheel of a four by four there's a special ticket for the waterhole a hundred rand for the waterhole i you can imagine what is carrying on at the waterhole i can so, just imagine <laughs> while the others thresh it out in the our very muddy environment we've had good rains we're very grateful for it so it will be a slippery slidey four by four 
Then, darling, lots of spills and Sorry, At the darling flower show. I say lots of frills uh, and spills and. I believe Darling Museum, Darling Flower Show, the Orchid Fair at Ducket Nursery, Darling Brew will have a market. So that weekend of 16 to 18 September, come along for the Flower Show. And then there's the Swartland. This is something not to miss. Swartland Sco. It's a huge agricultural show. It's the 88th time that they're hosting this. Can you imagine? Wow. The 7th to the 10th of September is the whole You'll have to come down 7th to 10th September because the Dibure, Dibure, Gan Makitiao. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you right now that I think I will become a digital nomad for the month of September <laughs> and just come work from the valley because there's too much happening for me to drive up and down, really. Not with the cost Darling. of fuel. And all that time mm. wasted in between the commute. I'm just going to come no, for a month. No, no, no. And we'll teach you how to paint with red wine in between. Do you have a, a doll ah, or a, a lolly moment? So light, on fuel, <laughs> so light on fuel and I'm only going to paint masterpieces for sure. Uh, and it's been well. great chatting to you and everybody else in the Valley this week. It's really been such a special program. Thank you so much for joining us on Jet Setting with Janet. We look forward to seeing you in September. Much appreciated. Thanks, Janet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. This weekly travel program, Jet Sitting with Janet, is proudly sponsored by MLT Car Hire and Tours. Are you looking for a highly professional, established vehicle rental service? Look no further. MLT Car Hire and Tours delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to mltcarhireandtours.co.za for their full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook.